You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. there hollywood we got a super special episode tonight i am super excited because i got to sit down with frank hannon from tesla yeah that's cool you know tesla's from the homeland we're talking about the bay area baby the sacramento band so uh i'm into talking about tesla yeah man this is just a band that i've always enjoyed over the years going back to their first record i saw them in a small club on that first tour and it you know they they had me hooked at uh modern day cowboy just you know a no frills rock and roll band uh on the heels of their latest release uh shock i had the opportunity to sit down with frank hannon for about a half hour before they played a show in atlanta and then of course we've seen them recently twice on the monsters of rock cruise so uh this is going to be fun but we thought hey what would be great to add to this interview is you and i share our top five tesla songs at this moment of course because it changes literally hourly you into that i'm into it awesome all right so uh let's get started Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. All right, so just like she said, everybody's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. Go to the website at growinguprock.com, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P r-o-c-k and give us your story or just go to our facebook page or our instagram page pod chaser we got all kinds of ways for you to communicate with us so uh reach out to us give us your top five tesla songs share with us uh any cool stories if you met the guys in tesla before uh, share some of those pictures, et cetera, et cetera. We look forward to uh, communicating with you and hearing from you. That about says it all, doesn't it there, Hollywood? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, let's jump in this. Let's uh, not waste any time because we got interviews to cover later on and we got top fives to cover right now. So you want to kick us off? Yeah, so Tesla's, uh, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area, so I, I could see Tesla pretty much anytime I wanted they were kind of the token opening band when Def Leppard or Night Ranger or Poison or Great White or whoever came to town. I've actually never seen Tesla in a club. First time I saw him was at the Conquer Pavilion. Probably holds about seventy five to seventy five hundred eight thousand people. I'm thinking. I don't know for sure, but 
but I've always seen him in kind of like a theater and arena type setting. So I've always been a fan. The way I kind of went with my top five is I picked five off of five different albums. And the reason I did that is if I didn't do that, I would have ended up picking five off of my Desert Island album because Tesla has one of those for me. So I had to have some sort of rules. So I am going to start with a song from Into the Now, which was released in 2004. Kind of a mid-tempo song, very melodic, radio-friendly. It's got a kind of that ballad to bombastic kind of thing, and it's got a great chorus. Check this out. What a shame.
Yeah, I'll just say up front that I don't think any of the tunes that we're picking here tonight are bad tunes. I love each and every one of these songs. Tesla, for the most part, they can do no wrong. I mean, I like their ballads. I like their rockers. Of course, I you know prefer the rockers to the ballads, but as ballads go, I think they write some of the better ballads for hard rock bands. Uh, and What a Shame is a great song. I dig that song. There's some really good songs on Into the Now. And also looking at the songs that we've chosen to play here tonight, I think we have a really good kind of blanket coverage of their career. We don't really play, you know, more than one song off of the record selections and uh, just a really good blanket flavor of what Tesla's all about. I think you're going to get with these songs here tonight. You agree? Yeah, I agree. And I only have one bone to pick with Tesla, and that is they do like Van Halen. They split the guitars on the tracks, so I can't listen to them on the goddamn headphones. I have to either listen to them on the aftershocks or in the car because otherwise I miss half the music. And for our listeners that are new to the show, maybe why why is that there, Hollywood? You want to tell people why that might be? Well, thanks to one of my favorite bands of all time, I lost the hearing in my left ear uh, when I was 19. That's why. Yeah. Sonny's a gimp. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> I apologize to gimps everywhere. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's and why people the, like me better. You're just an ass. That's what it, that's what it is. <laughs> an ass with a sense of humor, by God. All right. Holy shit, that brings me to my first selection. So I'm going to go straight into my first experience with Tesla. So just like a lot of people, I saw Modern Day Cowboy or I heard it on the radio or saw the video. That was my first experience. But I got the opportunity to see Tesla on their very first tour. And Frank and I discussed that just a little bit in this interview, uh, which you'll hear coming up at the end of our top five here. But uh, I saw him in a very small club in Atlanta. In fact, I didn't even live in Atlanta at the time. I was visiting and they were playing a very small club. I went to check it out and they played this song because, as you can imagine, they didn't have a whole lot of songs so they pretty much played their first record this has always been a favorite song of mine and it's not one of their particularly more complex songs but i love cover queen Queen. 
Yeah, that whole thing they do with the backing vocals, you know, like, you know, she's got it. You know, that whole thing, that's really cool. Yeah. I love the groove of that song. Yeah, and, and in fact, I bought that up to Frank, and that's the first thing he says, that that song has a bit of funk. That's a groove. That's one of Frank's songs that he bought to the band. And, uh, yeah, just a really, I like the breakdown. I like the timing change. Luketta does an amazing job with the the timing change in the drums. It's just a it's a cool tune. So I've always dug that song. Yeah, that's a great song. All right, so off the same album, and uh, I only picked one off this album because it is my Desert Island album. Uh, I have like thirty of these Desert Island albums, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to have a pretty big pocket. I don't know how I'm gonna carry all these albums, but anyway. I heard Mechanical Resonance in a record store. That's how I 
got into Tesla. So I'm going to find, I'm thinking I'm looking for Kiss Records most likely, and uh, their song playing on uh, in the record store, you know, they would spin new new stuff that came out. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And they were playing Modern Day Cowboy. I'm like, whatever that is, I want it. And he goes, that's that huge display over there. Just grab one. And uh, so that's kind of how I got into Tesla. So I picked uh, also a kind of a deeper cut. Again, mid-tempo, awesome song. Love the voice box. Here's Love Me.
Yep. And radios got turned off nationwide. Cars just crashed. Cars crashed. Windows broke. Dogs screaming at high pitches. (laughs) Another great song by Tesla. And I'll let them sing it because, uh, yeah, I can't sing. So anyway, it's beside the point. And so this leads me to this little gem from Psychotic Supper. Take a listen to this.
Now, does he say, put this in your pipe and smoke it at the beginning? Is that what he's saying? That's what he says. Ah. <laughs> yep. I think uh, the boys in Tesla have been known to uh, toke a few. In fact, let's talk about it. <laughs> wow, that was bad, too. <laughs> Courtney, I'm sorry if you're listening to this. <laughs> hey, I'm not the comedian and never claimed to be. Wow. No, I love the time changes in that song. It's got a great guitar solo, but the time changes are really, really cool. Yeah, I like that song. It's a little bit different flavor, but it kicks off the record, and it's just a good start. It's a pumping song. It gets me pumping. Uh, so I just I dig that tune. That's one of the songs I really like off Psychotic Supper, and it's one you don't hear very often, you know? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, so my third pick... Here, you can uh, add this to your workout mix. Check it out.
That's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so that song is called All of Me. It's got a little more, little punk to it, right? There's a little raw. It's definitely much, much better than the John Legend All of Me. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> sure, he made more money off of his song. A lot God, more money. But God dang it, it's not near as good as this tune. <laughs> wow. Just saying. But uh, that's a good album, Forevermore, from 2008. Like, Tesla really, throughout the years, although they didn't release a ton of music, they released a lot of good music, which is great, because they didn't really have a lull where it's like, what are you doing? That's terrible. Like, they don't have one of those. No, Forevermore was the first one they did with Dave Rude, uh, if you don't include, like, the reel to reel, I think it was, that they did with him or whatever, but... Forevermore was the first original record that they did with Dave Rude. And it took me a long time to get into that record. Like I didn't love that record right off the bat, but I've grown to like it over the years. And I think it's got some really good stuff on it. Forevermore and um, Bust a Nut are two records that I think are a little, little overlooked in the Tesla catalog, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I like Forevermore a little bit better than Bust a Nut. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, both records have some good quality stuff on them, I guess is my point. Right. Yeah. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. So just like the lovely and talented Samantha said, subscribe to our podcast. If you're digging what you're hearing or you've liked some of the stuff in the past, subscribe to the podcast and it'll automatically come free to you at no charge because podcasts are free. So just subscribe. Just do it, man. Come on, do it, do it, do it. Press the button, do it, do it. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) i'm brainwashing people dude right (laughs) fine i guess i'll just get back into the damn music yeah let's stick to what we're good at all right so i love this next song off of into the now There's nothing deeper than the truth So give me the reason 
Yeah, you know, I realized uh, I was listening to this again today because I knew you were going to pick it, and I realized that any song really by any band that's got a good vocalist and has those riffs that kind of stop and start and let the vocal shine, I really that really hooks me. Like I like it when bands do that, and I love it in this song. That crunchy riff is pretty cool too. Yeah, that's right in my bang zone, man. I love those thick riffs with a vocalist you can understand and, and enough. I like the room where they can breathe, which is just what you said, right? Right, right. That's a good tune. That's one of my favorites off of the Into the Now record. I really like Got No Glory. All right, so my next pick, it's possible seven people on the planet have heard this. Check it out. Break of Dawn.
So why do you say only seven people have heard this song? Because I can take 15 Tesla fans and ask them, what is Break of Dawn? And they would have no clue, and 10 of them would say Twilight or some shit. They would have no clue. Because Simplicity just, it didn't take off that well. Yeah, I mean, I was really surprised to see this selection from you. Uh, I'm glad that you put it on there because you're right. Simplicity got a lot of grief, and again... For me, it kind of falls in the same category as the Bust a Nut and the Forevermore. I think it's a record that if you give it enough chances, it will grow over the course of time. I think there's some really good cuts on this record. Uh, is it my favorite Tesla Nut record? Of course not, but I think it's going to definitely... I think it's going to grow over time and you'll start to appreciate some of the songs a little more uh, if you give it a chance. Yeah, and the pre-chorus on that Break of Dawn is bananas. I love the pre-chorus. It's really cool. Yeah. All right, that brings us to Bust a Nut. By golly, is there a better album title? I don't think there is. I like the album cover too. It's like a walnut, right? Just sitting there waiting to get crushed. In the Tesla press. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a good melodic song. You know, there were a couple, two or three songs I could have chose off this record that I liked quite a bit. In fact, I went back and forth with a couple of songs, and I've played Mama's Fools before. I really love that song. But this is She Wants, She Wants.
Yeah, that chorus is uh, pretty catchy, and that uh, riff has a cool groove to it. Yeah, I just think that this song is a well-written song. I really enjoy it. It's melodic. It's, uh, like you said, it's got a really good chorus, uh, and just some of the melody in it's very good. So this is a great song off the Bust a Nut record. All right, so for my last pick, no, you didn't accidentally switch episodes, and this is not Cinderella. Check it out.
It sounds like Cinderella, doesn't it? I don't know, man. I don't necessarily hear that. I guess I guess a little bit, but I like this song. I've always liked this song. Uh, in fact, I think this is back in their set now, which they haven't played in forever, but it's back in the live set if you're fortunate enough to catch them on this uh, latest tour. So, yeah, that's a good song, Be a Man. Yeah, off uh, the great radio controversy, 1989. Yeah, and it definitely shows off some of Frank's uh, Southern influence because Frank has a whole lot of Southern influence. Yeah, it's the slide guitar beginning just kind of feels a little Cinderella. Yeah, you know Frank is uh, married to, uh, I think, uh, Dickie Betts' daughter. Oh, he is? I didn't know that. You know what I'm also pretty sure of is she has a name. She's not just Dickie Betts' daughter. Yeah, I don't know her name, though. <laughs> I mean... You know, if I called her whatever her name is, nobody's going to know that. At least I would hope people know who Dickie Betts is. <laughs> <laughs> but but I guess my point is, is that those Southern influences uh, run deep uh, and now are entwined with his uh, family as well. So there you go. But Oh, wow. All right. So that leads me to my final pick. And my final pick comes off the Forevermore album. This is a song that they were opening up with on the last tour uh, last year when I saw them. And I got reunited with this song when they started opening up with it. This is I Want to Live. Fight for what is right 
I love the chorus in that song. It's probably one of the better choruses of the 10 we picked today. And uh, just kind of the anthemic message. I mean, I've never heard him do it live, but I'm sure it probably comes off pretty good. Dude, if you were looking at our Facebook page, you would see him doing live. I think I recorded it live when they opened up with it last year. Oh, well, I don't ever look at our Facebook page. Yeah, way to go. Whatever. I'm posting on that all the time. Exactly. (laughs) Sunny, absent Hollywood poony. Nice, nice. No, so, I mean, overall, I I love Tesla. Um, I don't have any bones to pick with Tesla. I I wish they had more music. They have a bunch, but there's a lot of covers involved in some of the stuff that they do, and they release two cover albums, and they've got a couple of live albums, and so uh, I wish they had, I guess, more breadth to their assortment of music, but uh, Tesla has always been a fave. Yeah, so what do you expect from uh, this new record by the time this episode comes out? The record Shock will be out. I'm sure you probably picked it up. What are you expecting from this record? Because we haven't heard it yet. Yeah, my guess would be it's a little more polished. They probably, you know, because some of the albums you listen to even back in the day, they compress Jeff's voice a little bit so it's not as like grainy and gritty. But then some of the later albums, they stopped doing that. My guess is they go back to that a little bit because he's got a lot of rasp to his voice. So if you're going to polish up the music a little bit, the voice might not fit that great. But my guess is uh, it's produced well, and it probably has some great songs on it. Yeah, I think people are going to have to open their mind a bit because I don't think it's going to sound like anything Tesla has done in the past, but I do think that the songwriting on it is going to be really good. I think there's going to be some really good songs on it. I just don't think they're going to necessarily sound like what you think a Tesla song sounds like today. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think I'm all about, you know, artists experimenting and expanding and doing whatever a good song is a good song to me i think it's just going to take a little bit of time to sink in you're going to have to give the album you know a fair opportunity a fair amount of spins to enjoy what the uh final product is all about but tesla has earned the right to do that in my opinion uh, because they've given us uh, many, many years of kick-ass rock and roll. You know what I mean? I agree with you. And I haven't heard this Frank Hannon interview, so I'm uh, interested. Yeah, it's good. You know, he was very nice. He spent a good 35 minutes with me. Uh, we recorded in this tiny little dressing room in the backstage area. And uh, uh, just, you know, super, super cool, uh, laid back dude. Kind of exactly his vibe is basically what he was like in that interview, which is kind of, you know, this California laid back, a little bit of hippie influence, just you know, just cool. He's cool with me. So I think you're going to enjoy it. So let's, let's get to this interview. All righty then. Enjoy. Hey everybody. This is Frank Hannon. I'm the lead guitarist of Tesla and you're listening to the growing up rock podcast with Steven in Hollywood. Crank that shit up, man. Welcome to the Grown Up Rock Podcast, Frank Hanna. How are you today, buddy? 
I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, it's, you know, we just came from Nashville. I had a killer show there. At the Ryman, right? At the Ryman, yeah. How yeah. was it? It was magic. The audience was off the hook. You know, had a great day with Gibson Guitars. Uh, you know, uh, they celebrated the 30th anniversary of our love song thing by making a, a reissue of my original acoustic uh, Dove guitar. And it was just magic. It was just a great vibe. It was cool. Yeah, you're a diehard Gibson guy. You have been from the beginning, right? Yeah, I love Gibson guitars, man. The sound of mahogany into a Marshall amp is just, that's what, it's rock and roll to me. Absolutely. So let's start at the beginning, Frank. Uh, as we do with Growing Up Rock, let's talk about some of your earliest uh, musical memories. What was it for you that got you into rock and roll, got you playing guitar? Well, when I was about 10 years old, I was in a family with a lot of kids. Uh, my stepdad was a Mexican guy, and there was all these Mexican kids in this family. And they all loved all kinds of different music. Everything from, you know, P-Funk, Parliament. Oh, this is in the 70s. But there was one gal named Chacha, and she had the best record collection. She was 16 years old, and I was 10. And, of course, you know, I really looked up to her. Anyway, she had... Ted Nugent, Double Live Gonzo, you know, Peter Frampton Comes Alive, all these killer live albums, you know, of the 70s. And, uh, you know, and then my mom took me to see uh, a movie with Jimi Hendrix uh, live at Monterey Pop Festival. And uh, when he lit his guitar on fire and stuff, I mean, that flipped me out as a 10-year-old kid. You know, I'd never seen or heard anything like Jimi Hendrix before. And uh, that was all a big influence. Live concert recordings and stuff like that let me ask you this were your parents at all were they kind of like 60s hippies because you kind of your vibe strikes me as that and i was wondering if that kind of had any influence on getting you in that direction most definitely my my mom uh is a definite uh hippie of the 60s yeah and uh, i was born in 66 and uh, all through the 70s, you know, we had chickens and animals and had a hippie farm going on. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of hippie parties, a lot of bikers and hippies would come over the house. And uh, so as a kid, you know, when I started playing guitar, I was exposed to all that music of, of the San Francisco sound uh, where we lived, uh, you know, in Northern California. Yeah, you and I are were basically born at the same time i'm a 66 kid as well so i can identify with a lot of what was going on at the time and what got me into rock and roll yeah so then if we're about the same age so then what happened is in the 80s early 80s you know when the british metal came back is scorpions and and def leppard and acdc back in black and then for me ozzy osbourne with blizzard of oz and randy rhodes and diary of a madman that metal influence, you know, was a big influence on me. Uh, so that's why I've dubbed the, the term the heavy metal hippie. Yeah, right. I listened to that song this, this <laughs> afternoon. I was unfamiliar with a lot of your solo stuff. I only knew the Tesla stuff. So in doing the research, I went and checked out all your solo material. Uh, and I was blown away. What I was blown away with by first was really, is it Frank singing on this stuff? Uh, <laughs> and and a lot of it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I love to sing, and, and some of my favorite guitar players are guys that sing, like Joe Walsh, Peter Frampton, Jimi Hendrix, Ted Nugent, Rick Derringer, Johnny Winter. So I am a, a, a frustrated singer, you know. I, I, I love playing in Tesla, but I also love to sing. And actually on this tour, JK and myself are doing a lot of singing together, more so than we have 
in the past. It's you great. You sounded really good. I was really impressed with what you sounded like. Oh, thanks, man. I, that helps because it takes confidence, and I definitely don't have that when it comes to singing. Well, let me give you a dose of that confidence, man. You Thank sound you, good. Be proud of it. So let's talk a little bit about Monsters of Rock because we're about to do this Monsters of Rock cruise. So I'm not going to be stalking you, but you're going to see my face now for the good. next week. We're going to be trapped on a boat together. You know, there's like thousands of people all trapped on that boat. It's it's amazing. And, you know, you see the same people every day, and it's really cool. You get to know everybody. And, and on this Monsters of Rock cruise, for those of you listening who've never been on it, it's like a huge rock festival out on the ocean. And, you know, you can go from one great show to the next instantly. Like, for you'll be hanging out by the pool and, you know... Extreme will be playing out there, and then you go into the theater, and Tesla will be playing in there. You know, it's just it's an amazing schedule. And looks like you guys are going to do an acoustic set and then a full-on plugged-up set. No, that's what we've done in the past. But this time, since we've really worked up a, a, a variety of old songs in our set list, we're going to just change our set list and do two rock shows on this trip. Nice. Even yeah. though they've listed you as an acoustic set. Right. Well, we, we got rebellious because, like I said, on this tour, we've dug up a lot of old material that people have been asking for, like Stir It Up and Changes and Miles Away. And and uh, we're doing Be a Man, which we haven't done since 1989. So we've got a lot of material that we're going to rotate between two rock shows on the cruise. Now, I, I have a favorite song. Well, it's not a favorite song. I got a lot of songs that I love. I have a song that I love from tesla but the only time that i seen you guys play it live was the first time i ever saw you which was in a club right either before or right after mechanical resonance came out i saw you in a small club and you guys did you know you only had one album's worth of material so what town was that in atlanta it was oh. uh in stone mountain at a small little club called harlow's back in 87 wow that was like when we were on the rental car rental car tour but anyway what song is it what which one i love cover queen all right <laughs> i just i love that song i don't know what i don't know what it is it's not uh i don't think it's one more you're more complex to no, but, but it, that goes back to that funk influence i was talking about you know me myself a that's one of my songs that I contributed to the music of mm-hmm. for the band and down and out that funky beat. Uh, and, and he changes up the drum beat. And then I like kind of the breakdown in the middle. It's just, I just like that tune. Thanks. And then it goes into a jam at the end, mm-hmm. but which is something we've always kind of done, but cover queen and actually the whole first album a couple years ago, we had to go back and relearn all of those songs to make a live version Mm -hmm. called mechanical resonance live. And it was so fun playing all of those songs again, you know, and we relearned them because we wanted them to be true to the original version. So we did before my eyes, we did we're no good together cover queen. We did everything from that album live in order to record it. And that was so fun, man. That's awesome. So you got a lot of friends on this cruise, people that, of course, you've known for years. Let me ask you this. Is there any chance we get Frank Cannon up with uh, Y&T once again to jam a little bit? Well, there's always that chance. You know, Y&T is great friends of ours. And, uh, you know, I've been telling myself on this cruise, I'm going to kind of just lay low. Like last year, man, I worked double shift. I had my own band on there. I was jamming with people, going crazy. This time around, I was just going to kind of just be more of a spectator and hang out with the fans. But 
I'm saying that now, but once I'm on there, I won't be able to control myself. You know, I'm really looking forward to Pat Travers uh, on the ship, and uh, there's a chance that I might jam with him. I think that's a guitar player's thing. You know, I talked to Ty Tabor from King's X a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. I asked him, "What? It, who are you looking forward to seeing on this cruise? And his answer was basically the same, Pat Travers. And it's so great. I mean, I think this is the first time he's been invited on this Monsters of Rock cruise, and it's long overdue because Pat Travers is a legend, and us guitar players love him. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I said, well, he's kind of the the left-of-the-center guy on the boat because everybody else, if you look at the, the list of people playing on the boat, he's the guy that kind of sticks out a little bit to the to the side. You know? Yeah. So I must make an effort to catch some of his set then. Yeah, so you were saying, you know, about growing up rock, you know, Pat Travers is another guy from the 70s that had a great live album. Uh, for me, uh, the biggest influences as a kid for me were live albums. Mm -hmm. uh, Frampton Comes Alive, Aerosmith Live Bootleg, um, and Pat, Tra Pat Travers' Go For What You Know live album with Boom Boom, Out Goes the Lights was killer. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Strangers in the Night by UFO. Yeah. I listened to, uh, I think, um, growing up, I listened to All the World's a Stage by Rush. God, yeah. I must have played that thing till it died. Judas Priest, Unleashed in the East yep. was a great live Exciter. album. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> great record. And it's funny, you know, Tesla's biggest selling album was Five Man Acoustic Jam, which is a, was a live album. We'll get into each of the records because I want you to tell me a little bit about what was going on at the time of each one of those records. But did did that record, the success of that record, did that surprise you at all? Because, I mean, really, it was sort of groundbreaking uh, in terms of the whole acoustic thing. It was groundbreaking for that era. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of great bands did acoustic. Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin. Uh, Peter Frampton did little acoustic sets, but uh, for that era of the late 80s and 90s, uh, we definitely kind of stepped out a little bit differently there. But we knew that Signs was possibly going to be a hit because prior to making that live album, we had done it live on a radio station in Boston, and people were calling and requesting it. Off The phones were ringing off the hook. So we knew that Signs was a great song, and we had an idea that it was possibly going to be a hit. But we didn't realize how big it would be until, you know, yeah, it came until out. it happened. Well, speaking of that, can, let's go album by album. Just kind of give me a little bit on each record, where your head was at at the time, where the band was at at the time, and what your, you know, overall thoughts of uh, okay. the record was. So let's start in 86 with Mechanical Resonance. Well, you know, that album was cultivated over a few years of playing clubs. I mean, you know, we used to play Changes and Modern Day Cowboy in the clubs, and we worked with a lot of different producers at the time. Once we got introduced to our A&R guy, who was at Electro Records at the time, uh, who saw us opening for Montrose. That's Zutat? Yeah. Yeah. He moved over to Geffen, and in the meantime, for two years, we were working with these different uh, producers that he was bringing in. Because now back then, it was a producer's world. In the 80s, it was all about who produces your album. That was the big deal. Mutt Lang or Bruce Fairbairn or whatever. And we were so young. Myself, I was only 17, 18 years old. Yeah, which blows me away, because I didn't know that at yeah. the time. And so... I was writing a lot of the songs and jamming and making demo tapes, and we were doing really good in the clubs, but 
no producer really thought we were that good. And we were still young and really probably not very good, really, honestly. But I believe we had some good song ideas. But a lot of those songs were twisted and turned. Max Norman really did a great job on twisting up Little Susie. Chaz Sanford was a songwriter, and he he helped us produce changes. And when I say producing, I'm talking about arranging and you know coaching the band is which what a producer is. And Ronnie Montrose was very instrumental. If you listen to Coming at You Live, that's was inspired to me when I wrote the guitar licks by Ronnie Montrose, and we wrote that on Guam in 1983. Let me just say this about coming at you live. Coming at you live, you know, I'm all for a band changing up their set list. In fact, I encourage it. I love bands to dig deep into their thing. But honestly, that song, you need not open up with anything ever again. That song is such the perfect opening <laughs> number forever. I oh, mean, it we're really going to do that is. tonight, man. Thank you. Yeah, we've we've changed it up a little bit. We've been changing our set a lot, but we coming at you live has found its place opening the show again and uh, <laughs> it's just I mean, it's just so it's powerful. It's, it's so fun. powerful and such the perfect song. I mean, from the lyrics to the to the overall song, it's I mean, literally one of my favorite opening numbers. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. We're we're opening with it tonight and uh it, we used to do it back in the old days where we'd come walking out on the stage with the lights on and just, you know, people are tripping going, what's going on, you know? And, you know, what better way to open a show but with a guitar solo, right? Exactly, right? <laughs> so, uh, anyway, Ronnie Montrose. So, getting back to the album Mechanical Resonance, it was really worked on and cultivated for our time in the clubs with a lot of really cool people. And again, I was really young, but really creative and but really scared at the same time. I mean, when we got to the studio, I mean, I was 19 and like, we're in New York, you know, I was freaking out. A lot of pressure. But go ahead. So next, you want to do the next album? Yeah, sure. 89, great radio controversy. So at this point, we had a lot of pressure. They called it the sophomore jinx. You got to follow up your first album. And so we went in and cranked out some demos for uh, a lot of songs that were getting rejected at the time. And ironically, Love Song, the ballad, was totally rejected by the label for, to be on the album. And we put our foot down and said, no, we want this on the album. Because they were really asking us to write formula hit type songs. And the arrangement of Love Song is not a formula. It starts off with an acoustic solo, goes into this dark verse and then it has a bridge and then it goes to a big chorus out kind of like what a stairway to heaven would do which was what we were trying to model it after but anyway there was a lot of pressure to uh to deliver a better album than the first and uh we worked really hard on that we did a lot more overdubbing on the album if you listen to hang tough there's probably like 20 guitar tracks at once so overall thoughts of that record you know it's the 30th anniversary 30 years since that record came out this year and i'm just still very proud of it you know and when i look back i just didn't realize how hard we really worked at the time we were working so hard to try to make a mark five man acoustical jam in 90 yeah that's the accident album you know <laughs> that's the one that uh now going back to the first two albums you know back in those days we spent a lot of money the record company would spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in studio time and video now you can make a freaking album on your cell phone but what i'm getting at is we were so in debt and broke from the first two albums and then we made the live acoustic album which cost nothing to make and that 
paid off all our debts. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. So 91 Psychotic Supper. Which psychotic it was uh, at that point. We had some success under our wheels and we'd been touring for five years. So we really put our foot down and did that record on our own terms. We were really uh, aggressively hard headed on that psychotic supper record. We wanted to do it in New York City, which we did. So we were in Manhattan for three months and it was a nonstop party. I mean, that city does not sleep. <laughs> So we would be up all night, you know, the China Club, then go to the Japan Club and make our way to the studio when the sun came up and start recording. And we did that for three months straight. Now, where does this record rank in terms of your favorite Tesla records, assuming that Shock has not come out? Next to the first album, it's my next favorite Tesla album. Oh, yeah. Because there wasn't that sophomore jinx anymore. It wasn't like, you know, we were getting all this pressure to do stuff their way. We were going to do it our way. And, uh, you know, songs like What You Give and Call It What You Want and Edison's Medicine, I'm just very proud of those. You know, we really wanted to make our own statement at that point. We played What You Give at Our Wedding. Well, cool. A great song. How about 94, Bust a Nut? Now, this was an era, Bust a Nut, 94, was an era when we were starting to reach our uh, burnout point. We had done a a, a movie soundtrack uh, song, uh, Last Action Hero, and that turned into a fiasco, and we were having a lot of personal problems at that point, and... Uh, you know, I feel sorry for Terry Thomas. He really tried to produce that record as best he could, but we were just all out of control and, and having a lot of problems at that point. But still, there's some great songs like Shine Away, Try So Hard, uh, She Want, She Want. Some great songs on the record. Mama's Fools. Like, Mama's Fools on that record, love, yeah. Love that uh, song. Uh, then, of course, you take that long break. Everything's going on. We get to 04 and... Into the Now, which is kind of touted as a return record or a reunited record or whatever you want to call it. Well, we went through the real heavy, dark period of hating each other and breaking up, and we should have just took a break. If we would have just scheduled a break, it would have probably been, you know, but should have, could have, would have, right? Um, we broke up and uh, got back together in 2000 and did a couple successful Rock Never Stops tours and then uh, decided to to write Into the Now, which is one of my favorite Tesla records. I mean, next to the ones we mentioned, for the second chapter of Tesla, Miles Away, Into the Now, Caught in a Dream. There's some great songs on Into Mighty the Mouse. Now. Mighty Mouse, yeah. I like Mighty that Mouse. That was recorded in our, in our home studio up in uh, Pollock Pines. Do you have a home studio in your house? Oh, yeah. 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 I'm a studio nut, man. I, I caught the bug with Ronnie Montrose back in the day of recording you know, yeah. and all the demos for the albums and stuff, you know, we we used to do at my house. You strike me as somewhat of a gearhead. I mean, yeah. you like to play around you with the Jimmy Page the noise, theremin crazy and the guitars and, and yeah, I used to be more of a guitar junkie, but my garage is loaded with a bunch of uh old stuff, yeah. <laughs> so, 08 comes around, 4 years in between and Forevermore comes out. Forevermore. Yep. Well, now you're skipping past reel to reel. I, I'm skipping past the greatest. I'm skipping past greatest hits and re, and twisted wires and and those type records. You're right. I'm only kind of focusing on on original music. Yes, but reel to reel is a pivotal album because that's the first album that we did with Dave. Okay, and so once we finally were able to 
you know, get past the problems we were having. And then finding Dave was such a blessing. And he came in and we went into the studio and had some fun. That whole, that record, Real to Real, is live, 100% live. There's no overdubs. We went in there into a studio. They 24 track tape, hence the title Real to Real, like Real to Real tape. And uh, to me, that's an important record because yeah. it's Dave's first album and we were live in the studio. Fair enough. All right. And so then you get to Forevermore. Yeah. And uh, that's the first album we uh, collaborated with Dave and Terry Thomas came back and uh, produced it. And uh, there's great songs on that one, too. Uh, some of my personal favorites would be like Breaking Free, I Want to Live, uh, So What is a fun track. You guys opened up with uh, I Want to Live uh, last tour, I think. Yeah. 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 I saw you guys with uh, Sticks and Joan Jett, I think, last, last yes, show sir. I saw you with. So then we get to 2014 Simplicity. Which is last record? Yes, sir. And uh, you know we worked really hard on that record. It didn't get enough uh, promotion or or uh, attention. Some people liked it, some people didn't. But uh, you know we went to Virginia and spent three weeks on a farm. You know, co-writing the album together, and uh, yeah. I mean, you were happy with the outcome of it and everything. You just. Didn't. I personally was, but it was a difficult process uh, for some reason. You know, people don't realize that making an album can be very difficult to get five guys to agree on stuff. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we tried to produce it ourselves, which is very difficult to do. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, something should be said to the fact that you guys took that long break, you got back together, but this band has basically been the same band from day one for the most part. I mean, yeah, Tommy's come and gone and dave's been in the band now for a while but it's been the core folks for a long time yeah brian wheat and myself started playing in the garage back in 1981 and uh, we're still together after all this time so i mean there must be some pretty strong relationships there uh regardless of whether you guys agree or disagree on material we both you know have a lot of drive and a lot of work ethic and uh we have similar music tastes but we have very different music tastes at the same time and uh you know it's great you know to have a partner that wants to work as hard as you do you know so then we come to the new release which is getting ready to come out at the end of march which is shock which actually the beginning of march i think it's march 8th i believe is it yeah okay i think i saw 23rd was the last thing i saw they moved yeah, well, I keep hearing different dates, okay. but you know, if you buy a ticket to our show now, you get the pre-order advance copy when it comes. So okay. maybe that's what I'm thinking. Awesome. So it's been well publicized that you guys did this record with Phil Collins from Def Leppard. Yeah. Did you guys record this record basically while you were out on the road with with them? Is that how this record got recorded? Absolutely. You know, we did several tours with Def Leppard. Uh, one of them was with Sticks. One of them was with Ario Speedwagon. But we saw Phil every day on the road, and uh, it was his motivation and his energy to want to do a record with us and collaborate. And we went as far as to co-write and bring him in almost as like a sixth member of the band for this project. So tell us a little bit how the recording went with this record while you guys were on the road. Well, we would be in little rooms like this one we're sitting in here. We'd have a laptop, and uh, we would just, bits and pieces, we would throw ideas at each other, and Phil would make a real effort to talk to each guy individually and say, hey, what ideas do you have? And 
You know, like I said, you know, after 35 years, it's difficult, harder and harder to make an album and to get together and get people together. So to have a guy like Phil, who we all respect, really take the energy over a a year's period of time to work with each guy and pull it all together and create an album was really a different experience. You know, it was done in bits and pieces and in hotel rooms, in the back of a tour bus, in a locker room. Under the stage, you know, every place you can imagine, in restrooms, in the lobby of a hotel room, every place you can imagine on the road is where we recorded it. So you're saying there's a lot of different acoustics with this record? <laughs> oh, there's a lot of different environments, uh, different songs, different uh, different everything. Every song is completely different from the next if you listen to it. Is there any standout tracks for you? We've heard two tracks now. We've heard Shock and uh, Taste Like. Mm-hmm. But is there any standout tracks for you yeah, personally? Yeah, there's other tracks on the album that I really love besides those. Uh, there's one called The Mission, which really sounds like an old school Tesla Shine Away kind of song. There's a bluesy track called Tied to the Tracks that has some slide guitar and is a little bit more bluesy than than the others. You know, each guy has a, in the band has a different musical influence and so like phil would work with brian and they would you know tap into maybe a beatles or a queen type influence and that would be like on we can rule the world and then phil would work with me and i'm influenced by skinnard or you know almond brothers and so like tied to the tracks has my bluesy feel so every song has a different feel based on who he worked with at the time awesome well, before I let you go, do you want to tell folks where they can go to find out more about Frank Hannon? Well, there's always teslatheband.com, and then there's frankhannon.com. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, all of those. Awesome. By the time you hear this podcast, Shock will be released. Go out and pick it up at your local whatever it is, download or Amazon or wherever you get your fine records and tapes. It's going to be on vinyl too, special edition blue vinyl. Awesome. All right, Frank Hannon, we appreciate your time, buddy. My pleasure. See ya. Peace out. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.